Hey everyone, I'm Gracie and welcome back to the Graceful Military Child Podcast. The world should know how unique military children are. We may look like normal children on the outside, but we go through some pretty extraordinary circumstances that shape us to the leaders we are today. I am super excited to continue on with our No Greater Sacrifice series, sharing the stories of military children whose loved ones were critically wounded or fallen in action. I hope you find inspiration from these scholars that just because a traumatic situation may happen, you are still able to achieve your hopes and dreams. Hi, Anna. Welcome to the podcast. How are you? I'm great. How are you? I'm doing good. Good. So thank you so much for being on. Tell me a little bit about who served in the military and just get a little backstory on that. Sure. So my name is Anna Karcher. I am the eldest daughter of retired Colonel Timothy Karcher. Um, he served in the military for a lot of years, not exactly sure how many, um, <laughs> but for a majority of my um, life growing up, pretty much all of it. And um, so he served um, in the war three times. Where's Audrey? She's not here to fact check me. Um, three different times and um, was actually injured in his final tour. Um, and so that's kind of how you and I got connected and just kind of my experience as being a military child, I guess. So did you move around quite frequently or were you kind of stationary? You know, I had kind of an interesting, um, experience being a military child. So we moved a lot when we were younger. We did Kentucky, Germany, Georgia, Kansas, Texas. And then once we got to Texas, we just kind of lucked out with having a few different tours, um, kind of back to back. Obviously, Fort Hood's a huge military base. Yeah. And so we kind of got to stay there a little bit, which was kind of nice. I didn't really have that traditional uh, military child experience where you're moving every year. And then once my dad was injured, we needed to be close to Bamsey um, in San Antonio. And so we really got to stay there. So I had kind of a unique experience being in Texas, growing up with the same people and the same kind of schools from, let's see, third grade all the way through graduating high school. So yeah. very unique comparatively to most military kids, I would say. Yeah, and most kids are like, we don't even stay in the same high right. school for all right. four years. Right. They're moving around constantly. Right. Well, and I will say too, my mom was like very adamant. By the time we got to high school, um, which would have been the time your dad was in the Fisher House with my father, my mom was like, no, we're not moving. Like yeah. he came up here for a little while and worked up here. And she was like, no, she's like, I was in my senior year of high school. Um, Audrey was in high school. Abby was kind of in the, sorry, these are my sisters, <laughs> kind of in her, uh, you know, more formative years. And my mom was like, no, we're staying put. Like we've set down roots. It's like going to be okay. Like yeah. this is the way we need to do it. So very unique experience comparatively, but I wouldn't have it any other way. Yeah, and I'm sure, like, I mean, military kids of, like, any experience will say, I wouldn't have it in any other exactly. way. Exactly. To begin with. Totally, totally. It's very unique, no matter what. You get a lot of unique experiences, and um, not everything good, not everything bad. Yes. It's just the way of life, you know? Yeah. So. So, growing up, did you kind of move schools a lot with those country or state moves that you did? Yeah, so we moved schools a lot when we were, like I said, really young. And then we kind of got to stay put and kind of set down roots more than I think um, I ever really expected, which was kind of nice. 
Um, so yeah, I mean, not a ton, ton when we were little, but not a ton once we got older, which is kind of nice. It's the yeah. stuff I remember really. Yeah, you can keep the same friends. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more important. Exactly, exactly. Else. Did you go to school on base or public? We did, we, uh, I shouldn't say always. By the time we moved to Texas, we were living off base um, and we went to just a public school in the area. And yeah, we never moved on base at Fort Hood. I'm not actually sure exactly why, but we just didn't. Yeah. Um, and then once we kind of put down our roots outside, it was like, oh, now we don't want to move. You know, we got our pool. We were like, we need to stay out here. <laughs> we need to stay out here. Yeah. So, but it was nice. Yeah. Always close to base, of course. Yes. So. Did you find it challenging making friends in a public school versus what you would imagine a military-based school being? You know, I still think where I was um, in school, because we did go to school in base, I guess, when we were, like, in Kansas. But where we were in Texas, still, like, being right around Fort Hood, like I said, so many, huge base. So most of my friends' parents were military anyways or had some military affiliation. So we were all kind of used to the you've got to go in, you've got to put your best foot forward and make friends. Like, there was no other option. You can't, I mean, you can be a wallflower for a little bit, but (laughs) if you want to have friends, you got to just, you know, go yeah. for it. So, so no, I mean, I, um, probably am the most talkative of my siblings. So <laughs> no, I, I did not find that personally very hard, but, yeah. um, it was hard seeing, you know, as people would come and go, not, like I said, I had a more unique experience being kind of in the same place for a long time, but you know, of course not all my friends were that way. I've had friends that have just gone all over the place since, you know, we met in third grade, so. Yeah, (laughs) and somewhere where like Fort Hood, you have such a strong military connection, not only Mm -hmm. on base, but off base as well, so. Well, and by the time we were there, it's like everyone's parents were deploying, so you know, I had, friends, parents in and out. And, you know, sometimes moms were gone. Sometimes dads were gone. Sometimes my dad was gone. So it's just kind of like a revolving door of even if everyone wasn't leaving, what they were going through and what everyone was experiencing. So, yeah. yeah. Everyone has a different, you know, journey that they take on. And, Mm -hmm. you know, everyone's life is different. And even though if your parents are deployed to the same area and you're in the you know, same school or whatever, everything is still different. Totally, totally. So tell me a little bit about when your dad got injured, like how old were you? Okay, Um, so I just did my fact check before this (laughs) to make sure I got details correct. So my dad was in, um, I guess an accident is not the right exact phrasing. Um, His truck was hit um, by some sort of bomb in Iraq in 2019. 2009, sorry. (laughs) Um, So I was entering my uh, freshman year of high school. So it was the summer before that. um, You know, it was really touch and go, quite frankly. It was pretty serious injury and not only being a serious injury, but, you know, obviously being all the way across the world from one another. Mm -hmm. It was very hard to get exactly how serious it was, exactly what was going on. One day you'd have someone calling you saying, oh, he's going to be just fine, you know, trying to be positive. And the next day would be like, oh, he's not going to make it. So um, he kind of went through that. Um, He wasn't in the country very much longer after that. And then he transferred to Germany, then to Walter Reed. Um, He was in Walter Reed for a few months. And my mom went there to be with him. But there was just so much uncertainty at that point. And I think 
we were all young enough that it just didn't seem like the right place for us at that time. It just, she didn't know what we were walking into. He really wasn't coherent a lot of that time. Um, and there was just things like that would just happen. It seemed like some days were good. One day they called me and they said he can't see anything anymore. Like he, you know, just in and out, there would be highs and lows. And I just don't think it was the right spot for us to be as kids. Um, so we actually stayed with family members for like the whole summer. We had a rotation of like every week someone new came to stay with us or we'd go stay with our grandparents or friends and family would come. Um, so we were there for the, about the whole summer. And then towards the end of the summer, he was able to transfer to BMC in San Antonio. And then my mom kind of came back. But I mean, really, it was still kind of like a rotational door. Obviously, my dad was two hours away. So she really kind of got him set up in BMC and was there when she needed to be. And, you know, he was in the hospital, then moved to the rehabilitation at the Fisher House and the CFI. And then really, she kind of came back and got our lives back to normal, was able to go to meet the teacher and all the fun stuff. And then really like she would drop us off at school. She would get in the car. She would drive to San Antonio. She would cook for my dad, clean for him, get all his stuff settled. And then she would make it back still to like basically be there when we got off school because she wanted it to stay as normal as possible for us. So it was very unique. It's almost like when people talk about it being so upsetting, it's almost like It was almost so normal that it was like, it was like kind of weird that it was like after he got out of like the, obviously the woods of like maybe not going to make it, it kind of just became normal. It was like, it was almost like we didn't see it. We went to school. We had our our normal lives. We still made it to our activities. Um, Once, you know, he got a little bit further progressed, she would pick him up for the weekend and bring him home. Now that I'm thinking about it, she was driving like round trip, like (laughs) five, six hours a week or a every three or four days. Um, so I'm sure it was horrible for her, but, um, they made it like as normal as possible for us, which was like probably the easiest way to transition it, you know? So best case scenario, I would guess. Yeah. So did you get to see your dad recently after the accident happened or how long was that? I'm trying to think of the exact timeline. So we did not see him at all when he was at Walter Reed, Um, and I feel like he was probably there for like a few weeks to a month. And then when he transferred to BAMC, it was still pretty touch and go, but I think that they needed, we're kind of coming to the end of the summer and, you know, my mom wanted to be home. He wanted to get to a spot where, you know, he was going to have more full-time care, of course, because it was like, he wasn't going to stay and do rehab in Walter Reed. He was always going to transfer down here. So I think it was important to make that move, but I think... So he flew down and they stopped in with us um, in Fort Hood. And it was just really, it was tough. It was not good. It was probably like, we talked about this morning actually when we were filming and I said, you know, I think to me that was the most traumatic day of the whole thing for me. I think it was like really important for him to see us and us to see him, but it was like the hardest thing I've ever had to do with seeing him because I think before it was like everyone was telling you what was happening, but it was all okay. Yeah. It was going to be okay, no matter what. It was going to be okay. And then it was like, you know, they kind of prepared us. They were like, he's really skinny and he's kind of sick. Yeah. And then like just seeing him, you know, I mean, he had been 
I think Audrey quoted me this morning, 225 pounds and 6'4 when he left, the last time I'd seen him. And now he's, you know, doesn't have legs. Yeah. He's a bilateral amputee. Um, he's probably like 100 pounds. I mean, I was, I've got pretty skinny arms. He was much skinnier than me. <laughs> so it was just, you know, it was hard to see. It was really tough, and I think it was really important for him. It was really important for us, but, like, ultimately, I think it was probably the toughest, toughest time to see him. So, and I think probably looking back, I think they were a little worried he was still going to die. And they were just like, he needs to see someone. He needs to, he needs to see his kids. He needs to have a reason. And, you know, so it was a weird time, but I I guess I wouldn't have it a different way, but it was very traumatic, I would say. So, yeah. What was kind of going through your head leading up to those days of knowing you were going to see your dad again? Um, a lot of relief that we're still going to get to see him. I think, I guess it's so interesting because my sisters kind of describe it differently. My youngest sister was so little, um, Abby at that point. And so like, I don't really think like she probably holds a lot of trauma from it, but then Audrey describes it. Like she always thought he was going to die. Like she thought everyone's looking at us. Like we're going to be the kids that like, we're going to be orphans essentially. And I don't remember feeling that way. Like I just remember just being like, it's, it has to be okay, whatever that is. I'm not saying that's gonna be good. Like ultimately, like I didn't know what was gonna happen, but I was like, it's going to be okay, it's gonna be okay. So I think leading up to it, I kind of was like, oh, cool, this is good. Like I'm glad we're gonna be able to see him. And I actually think seeing him for me made it like so much more real. Because I think before it was just like, you're hearing reports every day and you're getting information, but it just seems almost like it's not your, your life. Like, I don't know how else to describe it. It's like, yeah. cause you're not seeing it with your own eyes. It's almost like, it's okay. It's going to be fine. My mom's going to go there. She'll come back at the end of the summer and we'll be good. Yeah. Like she'll bring him home. It'll be no big deal. Like it was just, it's almost like kind of an out of body sort of experience. I don't know how to explain it yeah. otherwise. So my dad always used to joke with us that they'd sprinkle pixie dust and his leg would grow back. So <laughs> That's funny. That's funny. He was going to go back to normal. But yeah, that, exa- exactly. It doesn't happen. It's never going to go back to normal. But I was going to say, it beca- easily became, uh, you know, you and I were talking about this earlier today, the new normal pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. It's like, it's kind of insane when you think about it. Because how old were you when your dad got hurt? I was nine. So do you remember him without legs? With legs? Or, or with, with legs, legs. Sorry. <laughs> hello. Hello. Or with like a leg. Yes. Yeah, I do. Yeah. So, like, and especially looking back at pictures uh-huh. from that, like, I remember yeah. most of it. Yeah. And then the, the way mom told us that he got hurt is we had just <laughs> seen um, Dolphin Tail. Uh-huh. That was our last movie we saw uh-huh. as a family. And so Winter ended up losing her tail due to a crab trap. And... So she was like, she was on the phone with dad one day and she was like, how am I going to tell the girls? Like they knew something happened because all the, the chaos that was happening that day, they knew something was going on and we were like removed from our house. Like we moved out essentially. (laughs) So, um, She's like, they knew something happened, but they don't know what. And I knew it was something with his leg. I just didn't mm-hmm. know what because I had to make phone calls and say, hey, something happened to dad. Like, you need to get over here or something with his leg. Yeah. And so I knew that extent. And then it was Thanksgiving Day. 
Um, and prior to that, she was on the phone with dad and said, dad told her, if a dolphin can do it, then I can do it. <laughs> so, and he, 10 out of 10, he will not remember saying that probably because <laughs> he was so high, but... Um, <laughs> Um, yeah, he's like cracking up over there. Um, but Tanessa and he probably does not remember saying that. And mom was like, oh, that's how I'm going to tell the girls. So she was like, do you remember how Winter lost her tail? Well, dad lost his leg. And sure, we cried for a little bit, but then we were like, oh my gosh, he's going to get a flipper. This is so cool. Yeah, no, it's so weird because I guess, I mean, I was old enough. Obviously, I have memories. Yeah. But when I like, if I have dreams or anything and my dad's in them, no legs. Never, yeah. never. Mm -hmm. Like, it's like that is just really like ingrained in how I just see him now. Yeah. So. It's like the pictures are the only thing you yeah. have yeah. of that. And sure, like the little bit of a memory, but yeah. of normalcy. Sure. I mean, sure. this is the new normal This now, is the new so. normal. I was going to say, this is the new normal. So this is, yeah, exactly. This is more of the memories that I have, so. Yeah. So tell me a little bit about your favorite experiences as a military child. As a military child. Well, you and I are both involved in this great organization, NGS, and I would say this has obviously been my military experience after my dad lost his legs. But getting involved in like such a nice organization um, that really... Do, should I do a little recap on what NGS is, actually? Yeah. Is that better? Okay. <laughs> I realize that might be kind of random. Um, so getting involved with this organization, they provide scholarships and debt-free college to wounded and killed in action um, children of military um, soldiers. And so getting involved with NGS and um, having that connection after having such a traumatic event, I think is just like been one of the most enriching points in my life. And I would say probably all of my family would agree with that. Um, it was just, you know, obviously such a tough situation and I think could have been very daunting and very... Um, could have been world ending for a lot of people, I think. And I think instead of it being really a negative, quite frankly, the doors NGS has like opened for us and some of the experiences we've got to have through NGS being military uh, children really like has been things I would just never have gotten to do otherwise. Like getting involved with NGS, I've been, you know, to New York to Ground Zero. I signed the Spire of the Freedom Tower. I've gotten to do multiple presentations, um, been to a multitude of galas and stuff and been able to present awards to people and share my story. And I think just give people insight to seeing that, you know, this is just a way of life for some of us and it's all going to be okay. Like we're all going to be okay. So I think those are some of my most rewarding experiences. Of course, the moving and stuff when we were young was fun. And you know, some of the connections you just have with people in the military, it's just so funny when you can really get talking to anyone. If they have, yeah. if they have a friend, a cousin, a brother, a mother yeah. who is in the military, you can sit and talk about it. So yeah. it's just such a nice connection to have. And, um, it's just very rewarding. Yeah. And I think that's so special, like, with that traumatic experience that, you know, we both went through that mm -hmm. 
you know, my dad got out of the military. He retired when I was 12 years old, so I did not really have that experience. Yeah. And he had a seven-year break in service, so whatever 12 minus 7 is, that's how many <laughs> years I had as a right. military child. Right. Can't do the math right now, but that's how many years I had as a military child that I had experience as. And then, you know, I didn't get those connections right. as much as most other kids do. Right. So being a part of NGS, it's like I have these connections still and I'm able to make these connections still mm -hmm. because of an organization like NGS and yeah. their willingness to connect other military kids and organizations and all that kind of stuff. Well, and I, I guess I can't speak for you guys, but I find it like so easy because, you know, I think it seems like our families have similar humor with the whole injury yes. situation. <laughs> There's no need to dwell on it. We're just going to have to move on. So at least make a few jokes about it. Yes. So it's just so fun being around people because it's like sometimes if you're around other people, they just think it's like so awkward. Like they're like, they're like, oh my God, I can't believe they just said that, yes. you know, like, oh gosh, they just feel like they have to tiptoe around you. And it's like, it's not a big deal. It's yeah. going to be okay. If we're making jokes about it, you can can make a joke about yeah. it. <laughs> so it's just kind of fun to be connected with people who have been through similar life experiences as you. So yeah, and I mean, what are you gonna do if you don't joke about it? If you don't yeah, have fun right. with it, like totally. you're totally. just gonna be like an emotional wreck. Then totally. <laughs> like you can't. Totally. There's life is way too short to just sit and dwell. So we just we just got to move on. So. Yes. Yeah. Sure. And even my sister at like eight years old, she clearly had that figured out. <laughs> but by like the day she saw him and the first thing she said to him was, watch where you're walking next yeah. time. Yeah. So like clearly, you know, even kids at such a young age, you have that figured out to, mm -hmm. oh, cool. You don't have a leg now or you don't have both your legs. Like, okay, cool. Let's just keep living our life and keep moving forward like we normally would have. There's no other way to do it. Yeah, <laughs> for sure. So your favorite experiences, let's flip it. What were some of the hardest experiences? Um, well, obviously having the injury is probably like obviously the first thing yeah. that comes to mind. But I would actually really say now looking back on it, it's really probably more like the younger years and just not having him there. I when I really think about it, it's like it was so ingrained in me as like this is just the way it is. So I didn't really think about it as another option. Um, and growing up with so many military students or children, you know, it was like everyone's parents were doing it. Yeah. And then I actually think this is so insane that it took me this long to realize like I had missed out on something. <laughs> but um, it probably took till I got to college to realize like, oh, some of my friends' parents were there all the time. Yeah. Like, and my mom was always there. And my dad was always there when he was home, but you know, he was deployed. And so we just, it, you know, it's just, you miss out on some of these like big life events that you know, it's like, I know he would 100% be happy to be there for, be overjoyed to be there for. And, you know, I mean, if we have to turn it around and try to make it not so negative, he actually was, we were just talking about just, I mean, around Christmas break, actually, probably is when it came up because we were all home. And he, I, I live in Dallas, about two hours away from my parents. And he texted me afterwards and he was just like, if I had not been injured, if I was still in the military, regular service, I would not have all these memories with you guys. I wouldn't be home all the time. I, you know, he'd be deployed for holidays. He'd, um, 
you know, be working 12 hour days. Like he's just like, I just literally would not have these memories with you guys, like being home and, um, you know, timing wise, it was like towards the end of my high school time. So he got to go to prom and graduation, all those things that like a lot of military parents just unfortunately during wartime have to miss. And so, you know, he's definitely made up for it, but <laughs> it's, you know, those, when you look back, those are probably the hardest things. Cause there's just memories that you could just never, ever get back. Yeah. So, and that's just the way it is. It's, it's worth it, but just the reality. So, yeah. And it's hard to, even as a child, like those younger years, it's hard to say, oh, my dad's not going to be home for Christmas. Oh, like, yeah. my dad's going to miss my birthday. Or even, like, for the kids whose mom was in, like, it's hard to say, like, my mom's not going to be right. here for my birthday right. or Christmas or these holidays. Right. And even if you track all the way forward towards graduation, it's hard to say, you know, this is such a big milestone in your life and your parents missing it. Yeah. It, it's just, like I said, kind of the harsh reality of it, unfortunately. But, yes. It's, I don't think my mom let us really dwell in it. So that's why I said, I really think it honestly took me till about college to be like, yeah. maybe that bothered me. Like maybe it did, but can't go back and change it now. So <laughs> yeah, I turned nice out okay. <laughs> those memories of being like, oh, it's okay. Like he's not here. It's okay. Instead yeah. of, you know, dwelling on it exactly. and being yes. upset and sad about it that your dad yes. wasn't there. Yes. My mom did not allow us to do that. I remember even like when he would <laughs> deploy, she like wouldn't even let us stay home from school that day. And I was like, this is a little <laughs> harsh. And she'd be like, no, you're, yeah, we don't have time for this. You just have to move on. So, but yes, yeah, so it's just unique. So just yeah. unique. What was that day like when your dad deployed or one of those days? Yeah. So it was just always like, just sad. I don't know. There's just always so much hype up to it. Yeah. And I don't remember though, ever feeling like, oh, he might not come back or, oh, he might come back injured or anything like that. Like it was more just like the loss of time that was kind of traumatic. But like I said, she really was pretty tough on it, which I appreciate now and probably have picked up some of that demeanor, but it was pretty much like, okay, well, you can cry till we get home. And then like, let's, get a donut and get back to life. Like it was just kind of <laughs> like, we don't have time to be upset. This is our life. Like you just, there's, there's no sitting home and crying. It's not going to change anything about it. So it's kind of like, you just have to move on. So, um, so sad days, but I think being surrounded by so many other military children, it was like, everyone was going through it. Everyone had it at some point or, you know, so it was easy to kind of have, people to connect with. Yeah. So I think that's important too is having the connection mm -hmm. because when I when dad deployed and I was, you know, nine, mm -hmm. I didn't have that connection right. as much. And so I literally sat on the couch and cried yeah. for a week. Like <laughs> my I, mom I was like, to, get it I together. To, but it wasn't allowed. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I got no, yelled I at so yeah, much to it. just quit crying. And even my sister was like come on, like get come it on. together. <laughs> like this is like, what are you doing with yeah. yourself? Yeah. But That's yeah. So do you have a favorite, I don't know, place you've lived or somewhere you call home? I mean, I probably Texas. Texas now. for us. Yeah. I was going to say, so most of my memories really are in Texas. Um, and I just really liked 
living there and growing up there and I still live there and I always thought I would move and now as I'm getting older I'm like why would I move I just want to be close to my family yeah um so we just kind of have roots there and I think that's so unique as a military family to have been someplace for so long and have so many people there that like you know really some of these people have been there long before my dad lost his legs quite frankly so um yeah Texas is it for me I think so yeah yeah I think Texas is so special and it's such a special place Mm -hmm. and holds so many memories and it's such a military community in Texas no matter where you go absolutely absolutely so we talked about NGS so tell me a little bit about where you are and what you're doing Sure. So I went to TCU, um, Texas Christian University in Fort Worth, Texas, and I studied interior design um, with a minor in art history, though I have not used that in my career. (laughs) Um, I graduated in 2017 and I had um, interned at a company in Dallas and I have since gone on full time there and I'm now a project manager for an interior design company in Dallas. So keeps me busy, (laughs) keeps me really busy, so. What made you choose interior design? Um, I've always kind of had a passion uh, for art and creative, um, and I just wanted to find a way to like make a career out of it. I don't, I didn't want to, I I mean, I love doing art and all those kind of things, but I just wanted to make sure I was grounding myself to a career and focused on something. So actually, we were watching our our film from when we became involved with NGS 10, 12 years ago, and I said on there, I either want to go into business or interior design, and I guess here I am 12 years later. (laughs) I didn't. Um, So yeah, I've just always had a passion for it. my program and my company is more like architecturally based. So I really appreciate that. And like, it's just challenging and um, just really stimulating. I just really enjoy it. And it's nice to be able to do something you're passionate about every day. So. Yeah. And it's important to find something you're passionate about it. Mm-hmm. So you're actually willing to go to work and wanting to go to yeah, work. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Life could be very long if you don't like what you're doing. So. <laughs> Definitely. Did you have any, I guess, thought to join the military? No, not at all. Zero, zero percent. I was kind of getting tickled. When I was in high school, the ROTC director would always ask me if I wanted to join, and I thought, no, absolutely not. (laughs) Like, I've had enough military. I'm good. Yeah. So, no, not even considering. (laughs) My parents kept telling me, like, go to West Point, go to West Point. You're so smart. Like, you could get into West Point. And, you know, since Dad was military and we know connections and everything, they're like... You can get in so easily. And I was like, I considered it for a while. And then it was like, no, I've seen what the military can do to you. That's not my field. Yeah, I don't think any of my siblings even considered it now that I'm saying that. I don't think so. Yeah. No. Did you have any other family in the military besides your dad? Um. Yes. I had an uncle in the military. I'm trying to think that probably is it, though. Yeah. yeah. So, um, and you know, I think my dad did it as a means to pay for college and then it be- kind of became a passion. I don't know that he like necessarily knew he was going to go into the military full time. Like I think it was just, I want to be an officer uh, or I need to pay for school. So how can I do it? And then all of a sudden it's like, you know, 
I, I heard your dad say this this morning. I know I can fully confidently say that he would say, I do it all over again. Oh, yeah. So there would be no questions asked. He's like, I would do it. Even if I knew it was going to turn out the same way, I'd probably still do it. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, it's such a passion. Um, so, yeah. My dad always said, uh, when people asked him if he would ever do it again, he'd say, yeah, I got two, two arms, a leg, and a life to lose. <laughs> I've like, got so much more. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. So, Where do you think that from your military experience and now you know, doing your interior design thing, where do you see yourself in the next couple years? Oh, gosh. You or know, where do you want to be? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> where do you want? Um, so I really still see myself doing interior design um, and probably more of like in a commercial setting, which is what I'm doing now. I still see myself doing that for a while um, just because it's so fun and such a passion. And I don't really think I want to do it as much when I have kids. Like I think once I have kids, I kind of want a different schedule probably. So I see myself doing that for a few more years and then I really still see myself staying in Texas. Obviously, God willing, getting married and having kids. And um, I just see myself staying close by my family. So, I mean, we really are tight and I really just like having those connections and just staying close by, so yeah. For our family, the injury made the our family so much closer together. And then mm-hmm. me and my sister did online school, so we were constantly at home with our family. Mm-hmm. So that was a little different in our situation. But do you think the injury made your family closer as well? I do. I also think it made my family happier. Yeah. Not that we were ever unhappy. That. And I don't remember it ever being like unhappy. I would never have said yeah. that. But I just think there's a lot of things that kind of come up that I'm like, I guess, I guess I, it starts with my dad and saying that, you know, after he had his injury, I really think like he was just so grateful to have lived and to be okay and have these things such as NGS come in and alleviate some of the stress in life. And, um, you know, he was able to stay in the military for a while. And then once he retired, there was plenty of job options. So I think like he became such a happier person and just kind of that whole, like, there's so many other things that could have happened so much worse, so many worse things that could have happened. Um, that I think it's very easy for me to look at him and be like, if he's not yelling and upset, I have literally no right to be yelling or upset. Like, I'm totally fine. My life's fully taken care of. Like, I, you know, it just gave you a new perspective on life. And I think that that just, again, not that we were, like, by any means unhappy before, but I think it gave everyone kind of a reality check of, like, don't sweat the small stuff. Like, this is not worth the drama, you know? So um, I do think it made us closer, and I think... um, it yeah, wanted everyone wanted to be together and just was really grateful for the life we had and still have yeah. together. So and that's such a special connection that you then have with your family. Mm-hmm. And like when we moved to Florida, it was like this whole new life after the military, and then you know starting basically living when we were all under the same house, and you know we didn't have as many doctors' appointments and you know, running all around base. Like, we didn't have as much as that Mm -hmm. as we did. Yeah, absolutely. 
Totally get it. (laughs) Totally get it. So one last question. What piece of advice would you give to another military child? Oh, you didn't prep me for this one. (laughs) Um, Let me think about it. What piece of advice? I think just really piggybacking kind of off the last conversation, the last, you know, little point we had is just really being like appreciative of your family, not only your service member, but you know, your other parent, your siblings, like this is just all so, it could be taken away so quickly. And I think that it just, um, it's, it's just important when you have that time together to really value it, to invest in the people around you and just to really be grateful for like everything you're given. I know it's not easy every day. I know it's not easy a lot of days, but you know, I think that we are, our service member is just doing such a great thing that it's just, you know, with the time you get together just to really value it and um, just be appreciative for what life has to offer you. Yeah. I would agree with that. Oh, good. (laughs) Oh, good. Was that okay? (laughs) Yes. Okay. Thank you so much for taking the time. I know you've got like flights to catch and everything. So (laughs) thank you so much. And I'm so, so grateful to have known you guys and, you know, lived with your dad. And now finally I've met you and your sisters. And (laughs) no, it's been so great meeting you and so great getting connected with your podcast. I'm very excited. So yes. Well, thank you so much for having me. Thank you. Thank you all for listening to this week's episode of Grace and Military Child Podcast. If you enjoyed listening, don't forget to follow, like, share, subscribe, review, and comment. You can also follow us at Grace of Military Child Podcast on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram for more podcast-related content. If you or someone you know is a military child who would like to be featured on the podcast, please send us a message to one of our social media platforms or send us an email to grace.of.a.military.child at gmail.com. For more information on No Greater Sacrifice, you can go to nogreatersacrifice.org or send an email to info at Thank you and join us back next week for another inspiring story.